0: Welcome to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Our host, Oscar Endermo, will together with guests share proven, tested strategies for improving your life and business. At the end of each episode, you will learn how you can use technology to implement those strategies into your daily life. We want to help you bridge the gap from inspiration to implementation. Welcome to another episode of the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. I'm really excited to share this episode because it's with Sweden's most famous coach, Shell Enhager. Shell has uh, coached uh, sports stars and business leaders, and has spoken for hundreds of thousands of people around the world. For the Swedish listeners, I'm sure you know who Shell is, and for the international audience, Shell is maybe most famous because he coached the best golfer in the world. Tiger Woods, you may think? No, it's actually Annika Sörenstam, the Swedish golfer, that many people say is the best golfer in the world. Shell can be described as the Tony Robbins of Sweden without the jumping and clapping. In this episode, he shares a little bit of his background. He shares a little bit of lessons of working with the Swedish golfing team, the ladies, and also how he started working with Nick Faldo, uh, English golfer. This episode is for you if you are into coaching, if you're into peak performance, and if you want to get inspired. But first, let's take care of business. This episode is sponsored by BuenaVida.se. Here you can find books and special deals from many of the guests that have been on this podcast. You can, for example, buy the books from Lars-Erik Unestol and also my book, The Smartphone Coaching System. We have a special offer for the listeners of this podcast. If you use the discount code STC, you will get 20% discount at checkout. So head to buenavida.se, get inspired, and buy some books that will change your life. For the Swedish listeners, Buenavida has also started an exclusive Facebook group that will be a digital meeting place for people just like you that are interested in personal development. Use the link below and go to buenavida.se. Back to the show and my interview with Shell Enhager. Shell Enhager, welcome to the podcast, the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. A pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you, Oskar. <laughs> Yeah. Last time I saw you was on a plane to Dubai and we didn't know each other and I was a little bit too nervous to speak to you because you were on the way to Dubai to probably work with some golfers or something. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for the international, in Sweden you're quite well known, especially in the personal development community. But for the listeners outside of Sweden, what, uh, how would you describe who is Shelley and Hager? Good question
1: uh, In brief, uh, a golfer, uh, many years ago, I turned professional 44 years ago when I was uh, you know young and had dreams and if it had been working out the way I wanted, I would not be sitting here talking to you right now oscar I've been out playing golf. <laughs> in other words, uh, I experienced that sometimes you know what you want, you know what to do, but I don't do it and I got intrigued by the uh, question and thinking about golf, not only the technical part, uh, how is the mental part and, and so forth. And I had the fortune to play with very good golfers and I, I noticed the difference, not only in technique, but also in the way how they handle thoughts. And no one has seen a thought, it's a made-up concept. However, I wanted to see, what I could see is that they took decisions differently from I did. I noticed from outside that they handle emotions differently than I did. And my question was, is this in DNA or is it something that I can duplicate, learn from and even learn to others? So what I ended up was as an instructor instead of as a player. And uh, since then, I think I've been an instructor. I went, after six years of teaching golf, I went over to the US. I did a BA and my MBA in business. And uh, I went on and was very intrigued by this question. Uh, sometimes I know what I want, I know what to do, but I don't do it. And uh, from that and from that experience, uh, I had the fortune to start to work with the, some girlfriends in Sweden that I had the luck. They were very, you know, good players, and I were associated at, at, with them at that time. Uh, after three years, they were the best in the world. And uh, <clears throat> at that time, I worked with the self-development that you said Oscar and also how do you handle your thoughts because they come and how do you handle emotions and and uh, I wouldn't say they were my guinea pigs but you know I had the fortune to be with very good talented girls and I had the fortune to be with them and if I remember right they were ranked around number 20-24 in the world and after three years they were number one and by being with these girls, I learned so much, and uh, lo and behold, I had the fortune to to do the same thing in the in the business world. Be with big companies, did the same sort of journey. How do you do in, uh, leadership from inside and out, and outside
0: and in? Both, in my world, you need both. Yeah,
1: so that is where I am still working. You know.
0: Yeah. So, so the the Swedish ladies, uh, they you normally say that. Uh, it snows quite a lot in Sweden (laughs) it's not like Dubai where you can play golf most of the year you know so what did you do with these ladies over those years to to turn them into the best in the world and especially you worked with Agneta Sernstam. that some people say Tiger Woods is the best golfer but Agneta Sernstam is the best golfer in the world right
1: yeah for me Annika is absolutely outstanding Uh, I think that Tiger and Annika has very much similarities and Mm. um, I think they went far beyond what you can expect from a golfer. And I think, you know, if to make a difference, you have to think differently. You can't, you know, because if you think like everyone else, you probably take the same decisions as everyone else. And then you have the same actions and you reap the same results. And if you have the results like everyone else, what you call that, you call it being normal. And who in the heck wants to be normal? If you want to have results, that are extraordinary, you need to start, go backwards from results, action, decisions, and how you handle your states and thoughts and emotions that they need to be extraordinary. And I think if I, if I did anything to this group, I think you know, they probably had been best in the world maybe in two years if I hadn't been there. Maybe I delayed them one year, I don't know. You know? But if I had something, I think it was because I asked the questions that they have never asked themselves before. And it sort of started the, the mind going in different ways that they hadn't, de- they hadn't done previously. So that, that was a good uh, way of doing it, starting by asking yourself questions, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, I listened to a lot of interviews with you before to prepare for this, and you share where, somewhere about uh, 54 and changing the, the goal structure for them. So can you share that story? How you work with the golf, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, it was actually the golf federation that gave the the, the girls as well as the guys uh, in Sweden six years to be number one in the world. So I, one of my starting questions with these twenty eight girls in the room, they were professionals who played in the national team, amateurs as well as leaders, and I asked all of them in the room. I said, "How do you know you are the best in the world?" Because you know if someone says i'm lucky you can say how do you know if someone says i'm depressed you could say how do you know maybe you are lucky you don't you, how do you know so i asked them how do you know you're number number one in the world and they start to think and the answer i got was that you shoot par and for golfers uh, the, 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 the word par comes from when you in the stock and brooks you know when you do stocks in the stock market, you have something called parity on the, on the company, which is, this is what it's worth. And they stole that concept to golf. And for many years ago when they started golf and said, if you play this hole, what is the par? What, is, what should be right? And in short holes around 100 yards, they have par three and longer holes, par four and par five. And when you add 18 holes together, it's usually around 72. So when these girls said, you know, when I said, how do you know you're best in the world? They said, well, you shoot par 72. And then I knew at that time, they never ever going to be the best in the world. Because that's not extraordinary. That's not special. That is thinking like everyone else. So, so I needed to sort of, so I a doubt in their mind. So I said, how do you calculate par? Because what you actually do is that you, you, you have one stroke, on the par three, and then you putt twice. You add that together and you have the sum of three. And and then it says a little sign, par three. This is, which is translated in Swedish with ideal result. And if you listen to that, ideal result, Swedish wants to be ideal. So they said, "Shit, I want to be ideal. I shoot par." okay? And here we are. So I asked the question, who invented that you have to have two putts? And it became quiet in the room. I said, I want to know who Came up with idea, notion with two putts when you calculate par, and they said we don't know, and I said I don't think you should trust people you don't know. I think you should have one putt. That means you subtract eighteen from seventy-two. That is a fifty-four. And then I asked the question: Is it possible to shoot fifty-four? And everyone, including the leaders, said no. I said, Wow. I said, is it possible in theory to hit shoot the 54? And everyone said, no. I said, that's right. So far. Because the only one at that time, this is 1990. This is 30 years ago. They actually, the best one had shot a 59. And his name was Al Geiberger. So I said, no one has done it yet, which is starting to talk to their subconscious. And I said, if it was par 54, how do you think? Can you stand from 150 yards and, and, and start to think, I want it close to the pin? Or do you have to say, I have to make this? And if you start to say, I have to make it, how do you handle it when you don't succeed? Then you have to handle emotions of that. And so forth. And I went on and on for 20 minutes. And I said, how do you take care of sponsors, your dressing, how do you eat, how do you practice your body, everything. I went everywhere. After 20 minutes, I said, so if PAR were 54, would you be satisfied with the 72? And half of the girls were sitting like this. And I said, shit, it's starting to think, it's starting to sink in. And lo and behold, I, if, if I remember right, the first year they shot uh, 67, then 65, 63. And Annika Sörenstam, as the first girl in the world, still shot the 59. Hmm. And then you may say, "Oh, they never reach fifty-four. Fifty-four is like a compass. It's a direction. It's not a goal in itself. Which is neat. It could be a goal, but it's also a compass, a direction. Hmm. And from that, they became the best in the world because they started as if it was real. How would I do it? Hmm. How do I prepare? How do I practice differently? Because they can't. They can't behave in the same way. They have to behave, think, act." differently
0: so i'm very proud of of the on behalf of the girls yeah (laughs) and for the international listeners the swedish style is to be humble so Mm -hmm. shell is very humble but i'm sure you had a lot to uh, if you ask annika i'm sure she'll be very thankful to the work you did with her so but uh, Yeah. yeah no 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 <laughs> so a- aiming high shooting for the stars you reach the moon and uh, so that uh, concept have you used this concept with companies uh, like si- similar thing with the with setting the goal absolutely because
1: and... yeah very good question oscar because i think if i would ask you what is a 54 for you what is a 54 in relationships mm. if you have a partner what is a 54 and then you say well it doesn't work well if it did what is it when you come home what's the first thing you do What's the last thing you do before you go to sleep? How do you handle your body if your body was a 54? So I went on and on and on and on. I mean, a 54, everything went for a 54. Because I said, if everyone is going to shoot the 54, we don't have to worry to be the best in the world. We are the best in the world by definition. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I remember I got so much criticized for certain things because I I love because I'm a Swedish guy you know we have this upbringing of collective thinking. I know they don't have it in the US when I studied there but i, I give you one example. I called it 127 and 127 stood for I, I we were actually in, in in the US in Florida and we practiced and I worked with a girl and two girls walked behind me and they were talking about the third girl and they said in a sort of tonality of she's so lucky in the bunker and i picked it up first the tonality and i said i want to talk to them and the second thing was i also want to be lucky in the bunker how are you lucky in the bunker i want to be there (laughs) so i went up to this girl and i said excuse me you know i think you're very good in bunker shot would you mind show me and this girl stood down in the bunker and she gave me this short clinic you know if you hold tight with these three fingers This happened with the ball. If you have tight with uh, holding grip harder with your right, it goes out in a different way. If you go this way, this way, if you have open mouth and hit, you can't be, you know, straining. She gave me less. I've been playing golf my whole life. So I said, wow, this is fantastic. Would you mind sharing this with the other 27? And she was sort of reluctant. But she said, okay. And she did. And they were blown away as I was. After the clinic, she came up and she said, but Shell, now I gave away my best you know, my best game. And I gave it away. And I said, yeah, you gave away what you do and how you do it, but you have done it for 16 years. You have an experience, they don't. And then I went up to the next girl and I said, what's your speciality? And she gave a clinic for the other 27. Mm. So you gave one, but you received 27. Oh, that's really and I nice. never forget, it was one girl, who she was so funny. She said, you know, I, I, I can't, I don't have a recipe. I said, come on, everyone has a recipe. Yeah, but I'm always hitting in the forest. And then I said, well, then maybe you are the best forest player, you know? You're the best in the fucking bush. And she goes, yeah, I have this technique. And she has developed this technique when she was standing in the trunk of a tree. You can't go back and do a backswing, right? But she had been there so often so she had a technique whereby she lifted the club on the shoulder and hit it from there gave it to down to 27 mm. and they were blown away and here you are in life what happens if you give one thing and get 27 back that's for
0: me it's a principle yeah. and that's uh, I'm, I'm interested in you know how sports psychology can be applied to companies and to, to corporate structures and I mean, this is a perfect example. If you take the sales team and you just everyone gives their best strategy their and everyone shares, you know, it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and it also makes appreciation of everyone. Instead of you are a threat to me because you're better. We can we, Because we do this when we are young, we imitate. And here we can imitate and, and sort of steal other recipes, you know. Yeah. In, in some areas it's called modeling or, you know, we are just monkeys doing the same or you are mirroring or whatever you call
0: it. Yeah, no. uh, Nick Faldo is a famous English golfer. And I think for English people, Sweden is more well known for blonde girls than ABBA. But for some reason, Nick Faldo started working with the Swedish mental coach Ian Enhager. What, what, how come you guys got connected? We got connected from
1: from Nick's caddy. Her name is Fanny and She's a fantastic uh, caddy, the most famous caddy in the world, I would say. And maybe also one of the best, for sure. She's very, you know, perfectionistic in her way of being. And and, and Nick, uh, Sir Nick, is the same thing. He's very perfectionistic. So they had a good match. Uh, At one point she she believed that She had listened to a seminar I did in Sweden and thought that maybe Nick could have some, you know, uh, positive influence from from what I did and blah, blah. So we met actually. And and at one time I actually caddied for him or I have caddied for him both in the U.S. Open and British Open and so forth. So we still are very, very good friends and, and have a good time, usually teasing each other. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's part of friendship i guess
1: yeah and i mean you know so when someone is very perfectionistic you need to for me if you can use sense of humor or kick them in the butt they, 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 in ways they don't expect that would that helps
0: uh, okay,
1: okay. Uh, i remember once and i if i could do one thing oscar i would like to give a very good tool uh, for everyone who's listening because sometimes you get stuck yeah, because, I, you know, I've been doing coaching for many, many years and, and sometimes you get stuck in a negative, you go... And then you need... It. What actually changes everything is in my world is focus, how you focus. You can focus on the negative or positive, and I know that. But what is... How do I do it? That is to ask the question. This is how we ask questions. Because we cannot resist answering questions. So what it boils down to is your ability on the golf course, or in your life, or in a a relationship, what questions do you ask to yourself and other people and the circumstances? And that's a habit. So when I actually, first of all, actually, uh, at one point, uh, Nick called me up and said, would you mind, Uh, he said like this, he actually went like this. Is it true that if you feel good that you play better golf? And I could hear he had a hidden agenda. So I said, mm, like this. And he said, no, no, no. Is it true, yes or no, that you play better golf? If you feel strong, you're in a good state, you play better golf, yes or no? And I was still quiet. And then he goes, you are the one who said it. Is it, <laughs> is it true or false? And I said, of course it's true. And then he said, fine, then I want you to carry for me. Mm. And this was the year 2000, it was 20 years ago. And I went over to US Open, Pebble Beach, and what happened was that, in my opinion, what happened, he's so perfectionistic. He's so good golfer. And what usually happens with people who, who are so perfect is that they get irritated if something goes wrong. That is what he noticed. That is what he focused. And what had happened, lo and behold, is that he dwelled upon mistakes for a long time. Mm-hmm. So when I cut it and he made one mistake, which is called life or golf, he went on and on and on. And after the first round, practice round, I said, you know what, I'm a good friend. I'm not a caddy. And what I notice is that you dwell very long upon your mistakes. Excuse my language, but you have 15 seconds and you can say what you want, do what you want. I go like this. Then it's the mantra, shut the fuck up and we take the next shot. Otherwise, you destroy for yourself because it's going to accumulate. If you don't, I go home now and fly home to Sweden here and now. And I stretch stretch out my hand. You have 15 seconds. Say what you want. Otherwise, I go home. So he looked at me and then he said, okay. And the next day and during the days, what happened was that he was so aware of as soon as a mistake came, he just (laughs) broke his state. Next shot. Next shot. Next shot. And I think just by that, and I'm very happy to say in that tournament, if I believe right, he came fifth or something in the U.S. Open. And he had been gone for four years. Mm. So just by shifting to what works, what is good, going to the future instead of dwelling upon the past, is a huge difference, particularly you notice it so well in golf. But I would imagine it's the same in life. Yeah. Allow Absolutely. yourself to feel feelings, but then stop. And then next shot.
0: Mm,
1: yeah. Absolutely. And I would say, Oscar, you need help sometimes. He needed someone from outside to say, next shot. Mm. I need my wife, Lotta, to say, Shell, come on. Next minute, next day. You know, we mm. all need someone. to Because you us.
0: get caught up in the emotional state. There you go. Yeah. So... I think a couple of months ago, I was uh, outside a hotel in in Dubai and I was parking my car and the car in front of me started backing and he didn't see me. He didn't look back. So I see he would hit me. And when I was in the car, I was listening to a podcast with you where you were (laughs) exactly at that time were explaining my business, your business, God's business. And the car hit me, but it wasn't that hard. But so it only scratched me a little bit, but for him, it was quite hard. So I had to go out and talk to him. And I think when I opened the door, your podcast was still playing. So this My Business, Your Business, God's Business is a great model. And I used it at that time. So can you maybe share a little bit about that model?
1: (laughs) Yeah, many years ago, I think it was 20 years ago, I listened to a fantastic girl. Her name is Byron Katie. And she works all over the world uh, as, as a therapist. And she had a concept she called My Your God's Business. Um she talked about that how you focus actually gives consequences and by business if i just play with the word business it's not only business wise in terms of money it's busyness it's where you put your you know focus where are you busy and she meant that if you focus on my business that's things that i can influence if i lean forward backwards if i responsible or if i say you know whatever i do if i say i you know, I take it. It's my responsibility. Then I'm sitting in the driver's seat. I, I accept I'm the programmer in my life. And that's my business. If you do that, according to Byron, she said, that gives you a sort of a sense of subjective control. I have the control because I'm in charge. Then what that gives you in turn is self confidence. So, confidence in myself because I feel control, because right now I'm focusing on things that I can't control your business that is what other people do in golf that would be the other players in life it would be i want to be liked by someone or if you live in a a business what other businesses are doing you can't influence them directly you do it indirectly Uh, god's business byron said she was not religious she meant it was more mother nature in other words if you focus on weather wind and rain Of course, we influence it in the long run, but not in the short term. It's very hard to go out and change the weather, Mm. which makes me, I have no control and my self-confidence go down the tubes. Mm. So for instance, my business, your business, God's business. If If you're in your business, have you ever been driving your car and focusing on how someone else should drive his or her car? Then what happens, first of all, whose business are you in now? And what's the consequence in your body? What feelings, emotions do you have? Very much often, irritation, frustration. Meanwhile, when you go back and say, hey, what's my responsibility? Then you feel control. So that's a huge shift of who owns, because if you're still into blaming someone else's fault, my parents, blah, blah. In my opinion, you haven't started this journey called your life. It's someone else driving your life. Mm. And that toughest part, Oscar, the way I see, it, is to be responsible. The ability to respond to the situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a story for you, which I think is fantastic. Um, I, or, I take another one first. I was actually in Finland, and I don't know if you have worked in Russia, Estland, in Finland. But yeah. people, in my opinion, are very still. You know, they don't show so much Italian body language. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that and I should work with 120 instructors uh, in all these sports, in, in Olympic sports and so forth. I should work with them for three days. I came in and after 20 minutes, I noticed no one had reacted was sitting like this. So I lost my business. I went into your business and I wanted to, you know, start to look at them more than my preparation. And I totally lost it. After a while I heard, I started provoke because I wanted a reaction. And after 20 minutes, I heard myself going, are you totally brain dead in here? Oh. (laughs) And if that didn't land it right, I could go home and quit these three days. And it was totally quiet in the room. And I just heard in my head, shit. Then one lady in all the way back raised her arm and said, Shell in Finland when people are quiet, it means it's good, continue. <laughs> and everybody started to laugh and that was sort of, ah. Uh. But it's so interesting when you lose your business and when you're still in control. How can you be in control? In other words, what can I influence right now? Because sometimes you get tested, tempted in life, in your relationships, if you have children. They draw you out. And soon, lo and behold, you're outside and then you lose control. And then you have to go back and say, what you do is to say, what can I influence right now? That's the question. So the question that brings you back is, what can I influence right now? In golf, what can I do right now? Mm. I remember 20 years ago, I started to work with the dressage horseback riders in Sweden, the national team. And I'm very proud to still be working With them, but I remember the first time. One lady raised her arm and said, Shall we just raid the Olympic Games? And you know, my horse is very sensitive to flowers. You know, when we came up, they had moved the flowers from the previous day. Mm -hmm. Another person raised uh, the arm and said, You know, my horse is very sensitive to sound when the photographers go, goes like this. And then the third person raised the arm and said, You know, my horse. a stallion and he goes like this and if it's you know all the, the ladies are there he goes bananas so I told them, so what the heck maybe you should go leave the room and bring in the bloody horses maybe those are the ones I should coach because you have nothing to do with this and here we are it's so easy to go outside and say dependent on that that is what happened I know it's called sometimes Corona. Sometimes it's called thunderstorms. Sometimes it's called computer breakdown. Mm-hmm. We get sick. I know. But in the short term, in the long term, to say, what can I influence right now? My business.
0: Yeah, It's a great model. And uh, in these, these times, as we are recording this, there's the COVID-19 crisis around the world, uh, the Corona crisis. And that, that was... Uh, I didn't want to talk so much about the corona, but I I was thinking, how can you deal with crisis when all these external things are happening? I mean, this model is one, but what are some other recommendations when everything on the external is just chaos? And what what are some recommendations? Um, In terms of survival when it's
1: crisis, uh, I've been working with very much with mountain climbers, Mount Everest climbers and so forth. And I can steal what we have been working with is what, when it's a crisis, the brains have a a certain tendency to shut down. And it means you get very narrow in your perspective. You focus in on the problem. And that means just by leaning back and have a panoramic view, open up immediately. So you become calm. So, So from crisis, you can't remove the crisis. My business is, I want to feel calm. So the question is, how can I calm myself? First of all, panoramic. Second of all, breathing. Two deep breaths. For instance, when I worked with Annika Sørenstam, before every shot, one is good, but two is better. So she did two deep breaths because to be in the right state. How many breaths do you need to take in, in crisis? Maybe three, four. And the third thing you do, first was panoramic. Second, breathing. And the third thing you do is a happy memory. How do you do that? Once again, what controls focus is your questions. And for instance, in in these times, I notice uh, if I would ask the question like this, Oscar, what would make you happy without you even thinking about it? You just turn happy. (laughs) <laughs> it could be music, yeah, it could music be yeah. it could be whatever for me if i go for me i'm sorry talking so much about myself yeah. and i'm only going to tell stories when i succeed okay
0: <laughs> you
1: probably have noticed that already yeah. uh, however with this covid19 i noticed i started a new habit before i went to bed and fall asleep i took my mobile and i started to to read about covid19 That means I had that the whole night. And the first thing I did, open up the phone and saw in the morning what happened in the rest of the world. That became a little ritual. Ritual becomes like a repetition. It becomes after a while a habit. And what happened was that i started to feel uh, depressed because first of all, it's God's business. I can't do so much except I can keep distance and so forth.
0: Mm.
1: But I noticed my habitual pattern. And I said, if, because I know if you fall asleep and feel happy, you have that the whole night. If you feel shit, you have that the whole night. So then I asked the question, what makes me happy without thinking about it? And when I was 13, I got the dog. And the, the breed of that dog was a boxer. They are ugly like crazy, but Thank they are very, very, in my heart, very cute. That means when I go to Instagram and I see and I say boxer puppies, I can tell you, I don't have to strain to feel happy. It's so triggering my happiness. And I go, and it's called oxytocin. And that's a mental cocktail that is extremely strong for my whole body. And what happened, I noticed after one week, when I woke up in the evening or in the night and I went to the loo, I still were thinking about boxer puppies. It was in my mind the whole night. so when we talk about crisis you need to have a panoramic lean back a bigger perspective that calms down deep breathing and then boxer puppies or a cat kittens or whatever makes us happy three yeah. things
0: me, me and my wife we do the kittens actually we started doing it a couple <laughs> couple of weeks ago 10 minutes of uh, there's so many cat videos on youtube uh, you know, they, they have seven cats in an apartment, and they do crazy experiments with them. It. So, yeah, that's a great way of ending the day, instead of listening. Yeah, to I, the mean, Corona I think
1: so too. And just
0: by seeing you smiling, you cannot
1: resist creating like chemistry in your body, and that is what I call me- mental cocktails. Mm. You know, we do this all the time. If I go, which I told about, and go nagging on the negative, what is my cocktail? And it becomes true for me. Mm. If I see boxers, I become happy. And that's true for me. And that is back to my business. What questions do I want to ask myself?
0: Mm.
1: Sounds easy. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not, but if it were,
0: what would we do? The classic Shell question. Um, Yeah, maybe I should go through that later on. Yeah, I think everyone that is listening to this, you should watch uh, Shell's uh, TED Talk that is on YouTube. He did a TEDx talk that uh, you can find that it's in English, so I think you should all watch that one and uh, he share about the ice cream. Or well, you want to share the ice cream question?
1: No, 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 no. It's it's a good thing we do it on the because there you have a coaching model. I think I went through the Nopra Fun model. I don't I don't yeah. remember. But I think
0: yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah. Um, so we talk about modeling and copying successful model uh, recipes. If yeah. I would copy Shell's model, but maybe 20, 30 years ago when you were starting out. Uh, how would that? Uh, because now you're very successful in Sweden. You have the sold-out shows, and I would like to call you the Tony Robbins of Sweden. I don't know without the jumping and and, and clapping. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, if I would, yeah, but, know, those bit, be... shut yeah twenty sorry. years ago. Hmm. Yeah, I think. I think,
1: I think the curiosity of, of, of being open to, to learn, because I'm, I still have this learning. I want to both understand and experience. It's both with my, I want to see it, and I want to feel it. And uh, what I had more maybe 20 years ago, is that if I see myself, hmm, if you see life as a movie, I would ask you the question, Oscar, in, in which movie are you in right now in your life? You know, are you in a horror movie? You say, shit, I scare the shit out of me every day. Or are you in the more a romantic movie? You go, Mm-mm. Or are you more in a you know, soap opera and so forth? And I would ask, what role do you have? Do you have the main role or are you more on the side?
0: Mm-hmm. What, uh,
1: Personally, what an adventure you... movie. Yeah, and, 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 and adventure movie is fantastic. And, and when you see, what lines do you have? Do you say nice lines or are you more quiet? Are you more in the forefront? Are you more in the back? In other words, for me, it's very much... When I heard, I saw some study, they, they think that we live 95% when we are 35 years old in the past because we live of rituals, routines, habits, and so forth. We do the same. We wake up in the morning, eat the same breakfast, blah, blah. And with 5%, we say, shit, I'm going to change. I'm going to be more happy. I'm going to change my diet, workout, and so forth. I think those 5% are important. Mm. And if you can take those 5% and start to create the future you want, you can see yourself as a movie director. And when you, Oscar, start to see what you want to see in the future, that is a picture that is very important. And when you see that picture in the future, because it's a fantasy, then you have to see that dissociated in other words from outside you have to see yourself in a very specific way from outside then when you see what you want to see what do you do you slide into the picture the movie and you actually become the actor and you start to feel as if you were there that creates feelings so now you have seen it and you start to feel it according to science what that does is it creates a memory mark of the future And it sounds like a paradox, but you have actually created a memory mark in your neurophysiology, in your brain, that when you come into the future, if I would call it the handyman that has to want want to help you every nanosecond, it says, have I been through this before? Yeah, here has Oscar been before. He was so damn successful and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. That's the common denominator or the basis for mental training in sports. You have seen it and you have felt it. It. And I think people could do it even more. of myself, in life, yeah. become our own movie
0: directors and actors as well. <laughs> so, uh, what's in uh, Shell's movies right now? And he looks forward. Ah, good question. Uh, you had to move the, some of your uh, your uh, live because of Corona, from what I understand. You had to shift. Yeah, them.
1: yeah. I mean, I've been. I calculated. I've been traveling three turns around the globe every year for 20 years. So I've been working three years in Hong Kong, in in Silicon Valley with big companies and so forth. But now I mainly go into webinars and and coaching, which is very nice to be at home, uh, prepare in a different way, communicate like this. Otherwise, probably Oscar had been down in Dubai right now and you and I have been up, you know. <laughs> And you miss out so- certain things, but you win certain things as well, you know. So, mm-hmm. so for me, in, in my movie right now, I'm into doing webinars. I'm doing into, to do more uh, management courses. I love coaching as such. I'm building models for that. Uh, and I'm also writing a new book. So mm-hmm. I'm very happy about that. So that is in, in, the, near, in the near future
0: okay okay how many books do you have now three three okay next time i go to sweden i'll, I'll buy one because to be, i'm sorry i don't have one yet
1: i'll give you one and if you have it in english as well i think oh, it's okay, called illusions and delusions in english and in swedish okay
0: so i know you're a curious person and like to learn so what are what is Shelle learning at the moment what is what is he captures his attention at the moment
1: good question i I think it's very much how to simplify things. Uh, I think it's, for me, I'm very, uh, you know, very many words, much details that you may notice. My stories are very long and uh, I'm trying to make them shorter, but I want every detail to get in. So I, I try to simplify and mm. Mm, learn more. And and I mean, I'm just curious right now. I, I as I said, I trained for a long time with, for my Ironman and at that time, I. I seek opportunities to train. Now when I don't have a goal in in my training, I seek excuses not to train. So I start to notice how extremely important practice is or, or to have a goal, to have a vision and know why should I do this. So I'm working with three parts right now. I call it the dreamer. When you dream. And in that sense, you want passion and you want to turn passion into purpose. That's the first thing. The second thing I work with is the doer, because nothing happens unless you're a doer. And that goes from procedures to performance. That's the second. And the third thing is when you are, you are a more, uh, what could I call it, um, Analytic, uh, analyzer. You, uh, Yeah, a differentiator. It's like mm. a positive critic. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is the dream. This is what we should do. And this is, what, what happens if? that's the, mm. the, the, the What happens if? Mm. In other words, we run out of money, run out of time. We can't invent this. The dreamers should be beyond, like Walt Disney dreamed about to do movies in color. Mm. Then the doer comes in and says, then we have invented machine. We have to invent 1,500 different colors that doesn't exist. Then the different, differentiator or the positive crit, critics goes in and say, okay, what if we do this? What happens if that happens? Mm. And he actually did. Disney invented 1,500 new colors. Mm-hmm. So and I the, think if you were your own, you, you notice, Oscar, I'm mean, into movies right now. <laughs> you have to be a movie
0: director. <laughs> yeah, no, there's the Disney model now from NLP. It's uh, my favorite model from NLP, actually. Uh, yeah. For for the listeners that are, are not familiar with NLP, I know you also have a, a, a co- uh, NLP trainings together with your partner, Magnus, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, what is your background? Like, did you study under Richard Bandler or Grinder, or what is your background with NLP and for the listeners that yeah. don't know, like what is NLP short?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, short. Sure. First, I just wanted to finish up the, 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 you know, when you go from the differentiator or the critics, you go from problems to possibilities and the model is done by Robert Diltz. That's mm-hmm. his model. Okay. So even though you call it an NLP model, it's, it's Robert Dills. He's the okay. one who should be okay. for okay. for sure. Good. My, own, my own background, uh, I started NLP for around 30 years ago. I heard about it and I met uh, Richard. Uh, love his sense of humor. I love his uh, genius in the way he, he's doing things. Uh, he's very practical. And I think that, uh, that appeals to me. I like to do things uh, and I want to lean back and understand. But he said, you know, what do you call it? A lunatic and a genius in the same box. Yeah, it, crazy, my, it was my word. I, but... I like him a lot. I, yeah. like I haven't had the pleasure to, to meet John Grinders. I don't know, but I have
0: met Michael Grinder, which is also fantastic. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, what would you like to say that you're not saying?
1: Yeah, that is to ask questions that you haven't asked yourself, you know, because that is the only thing you're going to, to, to create to change. Uh, if you have no questions, you could always say, what do I want? Uh, what should I do? And from that, what should I be? Because when you start to work on your being, you're actually going to create a different way of doing. And when you do, you have different results. Mm. And two easy questions on that is, what should I stop doing? Mm. That doesn't lead me to what I want. And the second thing, is what should I start doing that will lead me to what mm-hmm. I want? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, because then you have asked, answered why, what, how, and who should do it and why not. Mm. <laughs> uh, so in the uh, ice cream boomerang manner, I would say, you know, the, the, the name of the game is to have fun, but life is the way it is. We, we don't always have fun. Yeah. And then you say, but if it were fun, how <laughs> would I feel? You know, what would I do?
0: Yeah, if you had a magic wand and uh, you could teach something to everyone in the world, like uh, you know, we had ten minutes with every human being in the world and you teach them a, a skill, what what skill would that be? That's to laugh. My finishing question.
1: Yeah, to laugh more. Laugh I think more. it's absolutely essential. Yeah, because when we are laughing, so much chemicals in the body, and we also have a little bit distance to ourselves, not to take ourselves too seriously. Mm. Yeah, I think. To have a big laughter is one of the biggest gifts. Uh, one of them, and the, the second thing would be to love, of course, and uh, I have three words that I've been working my whole life, and that is to say thank you. Uh, and not thanks, you know, but really thank you. And, and go on every evening before you fall asleep. That's perfect before boxer thinking of the Instagram. So to be grateful and uh, to say help, the second word. Uh, because otherwise, I think we, we end up as very lonely people that should do everything ourselves and to be good in the and for, for whatever reason. How many times do you say, help me? I need a hug. I, I need you to listen to me. I need help me. Or if you have children, I say, you don't listen. I say, please help me to listen. So I've become a better father. The third word is sorry. And it's not like sorry. It, it should be really excuse me. I'm very sorry. Because then, you know, you you let the the prestige go. So how many times a week do you say, thanks, help, and I'm sorry? Which one of these ones are easy and which one is tough? And I think that's on work on the being level to do what you want to do. But to create relationships, I think it's outstanding. That is what it boils down to when you ask one advice, laugh and love and learn.
0: That's brilliant. So uh, we're coming uh, to the end of the show and we're almost out of time. But if you had more time, what would you say? Then I think I would dive in for a five, t- a
1: five hour seminar, how to work <laughs> these things, because I go nuts just by asking questions. <laughs> and I can't show you, you know, I have papers with everything I would love. I love to work with you know, flip charts all over the place and go bananas, because I love this. You
0: know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too uh, so uh, watch Shelley and Hager on YouTube his TED, TED, is, TED talk is amazing and I think there's one more in English there's two, in, uh, two or three in English yeah. and there's a lot in Swedish so anything else to leave the listeners with or no uh, one story it's Absolutely. always fun with stories yes you're I... a great storyteller actually thank you sir
1: uh, I had a mentor, he's uh, retired now, and his name was Claes and or is Claes Rydell, and he, he worked as I, I did as a consultant traveling around the world, and we did that together sometimes, and he worked, you know, with IKEA, with Ingvar Kamprad, and so forth, and he had one, he worked with United Airlines once, and uh, he was in New York and worked with these air hostesses, and uh, he should work in, in the area of service, and how to take care of, of sort of tough customers. That was sort of troublesome. Mm-hmm. So he had these air hostesses in the room, and he asked the question: "Do anyone has like a, a story how we can do this?" Before he sort of went on, and one of the girls raised her arm and said, "Yeah, I have this. You know, she's a heroism. Man. I love this lady. She's a hero totally." Mm-hmm. So she, she asked, "Please tell the story," and said, "In New York, they actually canceled the flight." And everybody had to rebook their flight to the next flight. So everybody stood in a long line and it was quiet. And all these air hostels, they helped as soon as they could, all these personnel, as soon as they could and as fast as they could. And all of a sudden, the guy comes up and man, you know, passes the whole line and and throws up his papers on the desk and says, okay, darling, would you mind, you know, rebook me to the next flight and hurry up, please. And she's very calm and, and very softly says, Excuse me, sir, but it's a long line. And everybody here wants to rebook their flight to the next time. So we we do it as fast as we can, but please stand in the line. So he raises his voice and says, Don't you know who I am? You know, now really rebook me to the next flight. It was dead quiet in this room, And she, she, very friendly, says, I'm very sorry, sir, but it's a long line. And everyone here is in the line to rebook. So just please stand in line and we help you as soon as we can with the same nice tonality and then he almost screams and says don't you know who i am so she very calmly picks up the phone and said excuse me do anyone in the line knows who this gentleman is he probably has lost his name and everybody in the in the line started to laugh so he takes his papers and says "Fuck you and she still is in my business, takes the microphone and says, excuse me, sir, but it's a long line for that too. <laughs> but, and I think it's fantastic to be, to be in your own business yeah, and have that, that sort of sense of humor. And I think that's one of the spices in life. A glint in your eye, a very warm heart and a very straight back. So you stand for what you believe. in.
0: Excellent. One, one more question then, because in your talks, you always share good stories. Is this something that's come natural for you? Or have you trained specifically to become a better storyteller? Because you, you're very personal also in many of your stories.
1: Thank you. I never practiced and I never went to, to a seminar to learn or anything. So it's, it's just, I, I think it came the hard way. I told stories that no one laughed about and I crossed that out and said, not that one. And then I learned more or less and I, I think when I, I, th- I think I turned perspective. I mm. put my glasses and on. If I listen to myself, what do I want to listen? I love when people talk honest, authentic, real stories about themselves or life.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And then some that touches me. And the second thing I like to listen to is, is fun stories. so I can laugh a little bit. Mm. So if I had that depth and had that laugh, that, give, that would give me nice perspective on that speaker that is mm-hmm. what i would like to hear and i'm trying to live up to that myself
0: and i'm still learning because it's a tough skill mm. so put yourself in the audience shoes and yeah yeah okay this was great Chelle. i really enjoyed and uh um, the, maybe corona is good for your business because now you can do more online stuff instead of traveling all over the world and uh, i mean it would have been yeah. fun if you were in dubai but of course yeah, this was. <laughs> so yeah thank you so much for taking the time thank you very very
1: much and good luck to you Oscar and, and uh, the pod in the future
0: thank you wow isn't Shell a great storyteller I was really excited to interview Shell because yeah he's been on my dream list of guests for this show for a while so I was really happy to, to talk to him and um, hear a little bit about his background on all these stories so what are some lessons from this first of all I recommend you to check out his TEDx talk So you can find it on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search for Shell Enhager. I believe his TEDx talk will come up. It's uh, quite inspiring and he shares the ice cream boomerang that we talked about a little bit in this episode in that uh, TED talk. Uh, Also, he talked about 54, that the golfers changed their goal to 54, which is like almost impossible. And what is your 54 in your life? What is your 54 in business? What is, what is your 54 in your relationship? Think about that and use that as a compass in your life. Shell also shared the model that he learned from Byron Katie. Uh, divide things that are happening in your life to my business, your business and God's business. And if you're listening to this during the corona crisis, this model is perfect to use to help you let go of worry. Also, we talked about uh, the boxer puppies. In these days, we can choose the content we watch and... Uh, shell he likes to finish his days by watching cute boxer puppies on instagram just before he goes to bed so he goes to bed with a smile on his face and uh, here in my home we do the same thing we watch cats on youtube cats doing silly things and uh, that leaves us with a smile on our face just before we go to bed so what is your cute puppies or cat videos find something that puts a smile on your face and watch it just before you go to bed if you like this episode and if you're interested in sports psychology and how this can be translated to business and life, I recommend you to listen to previous episodes with, for example, Professor Unnestohl, Ronnie, Igor, Richard Gordon, Steve Maxwell, Oliver Enkamp, who is a Swedish MMA fighter. Those episodes we talk more about sports psychology. If you're interested in coaching and NLP, I recommend you to listen to the episode of Joseph O'Connor, uh, Hans Okerbloom, and Ben Furman. We also have a few episodes that are related to technology and how it affects us, and I recommend you to listen to the episodes with Johan Stolff von Holstein, Evan Evan Carmichael, the CEO of Office Management, Matt Slingrem from Carious Future. Those are some of the episodes about uh, new technologies. If you're having some challenging times at the moment, I recommend you to listen to Lasse Gustafsson and also the episode that I did myself, which is episode 50 on how to deal with fear. As always, if you like the podcast, subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast player you're using. Write the review and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to head to Buenavida.se and use the discount code STC to get 20% on any purchase on Buenavida.se. The link you can find in the blog post to this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast with your host, Oscar Andermo. We'll catch you next time.